And what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of After Dark. I'm Jamie, your host. With me is the slab guy himself, Sal. And down below, we got Tone Soup of the Sci-Fi Swordsman and Sage Gamer. Guys, how are you doing today? Doing, doing good, great. Man. Doing great. Whoa, that hole was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> the little, little music coming in at the end. I was like, whoa, what's going on? It's like a horror movie here. It's a game show. I can't tell. Wait. Felt like a game show to me. Like, what did I win? What did I win? Yeah, I was but... just waiting. That was awesome. I, I love it. I love Restream. Guy, Restream, if you want, you know, to sponsor us too now, come find us. You can find us at thecodexstation.com and send us a message. We'd love to be a part of you guys. Um, but as always, guys, let's get away with a little bit of the business out of the way first. And guys, you can find us at thecodexstation.com where you can find our merch, all of our socials. Guys, go like, subscribe, share if you can. And also, you can contact us now through our email. Let us know what you like, dislike. You know, if you guys want to talk to us individually, meet the team and have some fun. Also, we have another channel that we want to throw out there. Sal, if you want to tell everyone where you can find you. All right. Yeah. It. I'm on YouTube at salscomiccorner.com. Oh, Sal's it. What am I saying? <laughs> the slabfairy.com. Slabfairy.com. That's what I'm messing up on. Sal's Comic Corner on YouTube. I'm going to reserve the, flat, the slabfairy.com site soon. But yes, I have a, a YouTube channel dedicated to my slabs, how I how I made the wall, and several unboxing videos, and some other things as well. Awesome, guys! Remember, go check yeah. out Sales Comic Corner. Also, go check out Legion of Doom Diecast Racing. Hold on, hold on for a second, Jamie. Cause Sal is cracking your slabs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jamie, go ahead. Oh God! But yeah, go check them out too. They're gonna be. Uh, <laughs> I can't even talk right now. That, that was great. That was <laughs> but yeah, go check. Go check out Legion of Doom Diecast Racing. They just made their new racetrack. It looks phenomenal, and you might see a couple billboards. You know, people you may know on there. So definitely go try that out and let us know. But we do have some great stuff going on today. We're gonna be showing off some pools. We're gonna be talking. Do we think villains and heroes are too powerful now? And also, She-Hulk episode one. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah, man. yeah so Good without further, I was to say, without further ado, Sal, you want to take this one away, bud? Yes. Believe it or not, I have no slabs to show this week. None. No slabs. Oh. I apologize for that. But I do have a mail call. I'll go through the, the uh, stack pretty fast, though. Um, let's save those for last. So, all right. I got... Several Fantastic Four uh, back issues. Whoops. They're out of order now. There we go. So. Uh, oh, yeah. That, so was doing just, onsla- that was doing the Onslaught one right yep, there. Yep. Onslaught Phase 2. I uh, got a couple of Silver Surfers. Sexy. Nor I thought this back- was a UK variant when I first unboxed it, but it's actually not. Yeah. Yeah, Marvel has this, uh, this stint. Uh, I found this out when I was collecting uh, some of the FF run. There's this stretch where a lot of their books have that kind of UK uh, identification on it, but it's actually the Marvel book. Okay. Tone, you're still staticky too, so just so you know. So let's just go through a couple of these other ones really quick. Yep. I mean, I got a crap ton of them. There we go. Oh, God, you're getting through the run. I know. Yeah. All right. And it's from the same seller. 
he had the uh, Ion series. Ooh, yeah. Complete run, one series. through 12. I was yeah. spotty on on these issues. And I said, this was a decent price. I forgot what I paid for the 12 issues. I said, you know what? I don't care if I got dupes. It's all good. Give me the run. So now I've got the complete run of Ion. Okay. And we get through this one. And this one. Great run. Yep. All right. So hold on. Oh, there's one one more. Sorry. There we are. I was gonna say NC twelve. Number twelve. You're talking about being spotty. <laughs> yeah, no. All right. So I picked up uh two uh, or a couple of Captain Marvels. I kind of like the variants on the binary cover. Okay. There we go. Nice. Yeah. Ooh. And I also picked up a X-Men Red variant. I believe this is a variant. Yes, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's better. That's better with the light. All right. Yeah. So that's uh that's it for uh, one of the, my Facebook sellers. This next set here is um I actually got in touch with this artist uh, that did this uh, book and he threw another Facebook vendor and he actually this is the bunny mask Oops, there we go okay. okay but he actually drew the flaming skull onto onto the uh, book for me I'm not sure if I can okay. actually hmm oh that's nice Can't... yeah I'm trying to like that's probably be the best angle. So, he did that with both covers. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So, that was a pretty good pickup. That Weed. that came actually from Brazil. So, all right. So, so to echo everybody else's thoughts or everybody else's day to day, -to -day life issues, I have, my week has been complete crap, and I've been having to go into the office, out of the office, into the office all week for a lot of things, and in Silver Spring, there is a comic book store called Alliance Comics, and it's actually within walking distance of my job. So I said, what the hell, one day I'm going to go check it out. So I walked over there, and I picked up uh, this, the Vampires number 206. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I picked up this X-Men 13. Nice. Uh, the picture, I love the sight just blasting away. That's the school. And yeah. now, for the Coupe de Cras. Uh, this is a Tone Falcone special. <laughs> eight, eight billion genies. So, Tone, you inspired me to get this book because the way you talked about it, raved about it, I had to get it. And every time I went to my LCS, it was mm -hmm. out. It was completely, you know, sold out. And they weren't even getting in, like, you know, later editions, you know. And I walked into the store and they had this one for eight bucks. So I'm like, you know what? I don't even know who this variant is on the cover, this guy on the cover. I have no idea. Neither but I, do I. But I bought yeah, it I thought anyhow. it was Dexter for a minute, and I was like, mm. eh, it's not him. <laughs> no, but I bought it anyhow, and I read it, and I loved it. You know? So if, it's it's, if, if Tone recommends it, you got to read it. you got to check it out. So yes. I highly recommend 8 Billion Genies as well. Thanks. I okay. love the off-road stuff. I love it. Am I still mm. staticky? Just a, a little, little bit, bud. Maybe – Sorry, go ahead. Maybe after I get done with uh, pulls, I'll go grab my headset and try that. Okay. Yeah, we definitely do that. 
And we, we can also time out for a minute, you know, if you want to go run and do that after we're done with your polls. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm right. done with my stuff. So, Tone, you're up. Boom, buddy. All right. Well, let's, 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 start, let's start by switching to the second camera since it shows polls a little bit better. Um, I'm going to start with the things that I didn't have an opportunity to read. Um, so there are uh, two books that I was saving because I really wanted to savor them. And that mm. was Sandman number one, Master of Dreams. Ooh, I was nice. going to, I was thinking about picking that up. Yeah. Nice. So, so I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Need to say with the, all, the whole world is Sandman right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and also, uh, my next book is uh, Batman One Bad Day. Oh, that's, like that's the Tom King book, isn't it? Yes, yeah. a little higher, a little higher. Oh, no, the other way. There you go. There you go. See, Tom King. Yeah, that's an awesome cover. I like that cover. Yeah, there were a couple of different covers, and this was the one that just it just sang to me. I had to get this one. Um, and, um, so really excited to read this. Um, I love some of King's work on Batman, all of it. I think the bat and the cat thing went a little too far for my liking, but other than mm -hmm. that, I liked a lot of the things that, that Tom King did. So I'm excited for this run. Um, I picked up Dark Crisis, Young Justice. Ooh. I'm actually enjoying that. And um, I don't know, I'm not enjoying it as much as I thought I would. Um, mm -hmm. What I am enjoying out of the book is they're showing a lot of maturation in Bar Allen. Yes. Um, and I think it's been necessary for the character in a long time, for a long time. Bart's one of my favorite flashes. And they've got, they finally, they seem to be breaking him out of that sidekick comic relief mold um, that he's been trapped in since his creation. And I like it. Um, I picked up Black Adam, number three. I love this cover. Ooh, yeah. See if I got the same one. That was nope, not I at my shop. One. I'm gonna have to go find that one. Yeah, the, the Black Adam covers have been amazing. Mm. Yes, they have, and uh, this one is definitely going on the wall. And uh, slabs, right? Slabs, right? That? Slabs, right? No, 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 no. Just put it underneath your pillow, and the oh. slabs very well take a picture with you in a selfie and then <laughs> you'll wake up with a 9.8 and uh i got uh daredevil number 650 <laughs> Ooh, i Very like nice. that cover now this was a pretty good book and they introduced a new daredevil villain um nice or, or is he a villain i will say they have officially given daredevil his own uh reverse flash mm. right and uh, someone who just wants to make Matt better, right? <laughs> and uh, it's great. It's absolutely great the way they executed it. I love what they did. Uh, and so uh, Chip Zdarsky continues to hit home runs on Daredevil. Oh, yeah. We have Strange, number five. Number five. Oh, yeah. And I'm loving Clea as the current Sorcerer Supreme. I'm loving the direction of the book. And there's a twist at the end of the book that works for the story. Um, if you like Doctor Strange, 
don't just write this off as oh it's the woman power book no check it out it's pretty interesting i'm enjoying it and they're 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 finally starting to put i never really cared about clea a lot as a as a character beyond stephen strange Mm -hmm. as a romantic interest for dr strange and um they are definitely building more into that and that's a trend that's taking place across marvel that i love marvel is looking at side characters and supporting characters and building them into top tier characters and i love it and clea's getting that work right now highly recommend it if you like dr strange pick up strange i think i'm gonna have to jump into that title yeah um we have uh the flash also a dark crisis tie-in Ooh. and uh, i have that one as well nice cover and uh i'm sorry go ahead go ahead sal i was gonna say is that jessica quick also on the counter on that cover that's that's Mm -hmm. jesse quick nice yeah okay and old max mercury puts a little slide tongue move on her uh in this one i was like max you could be her grandpa max like (laughs) i don't know i I, I still want to clap some cheeks i guess right (laughs) um and so uh so now we're getting into uh, some of the uh, some of the. I'll go through our DC versus vampires, All Out War. There you go. I like Number that cover. Two. Yeah, I like that cover. Yeah, and this continues to be just a brutal run for um, for a DC. Um, uh, for a, a brutal run for DC's heroes in this book, they've just gotten shellacked at every turn. Uh, and um, it's, I'm curious, how can you even bring things back from being this bad? Uh, <laughs> and 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 so uh, there's this isn't so much a war as it is the heroes in survival mode, desperately looking for a way to win. And I'm going to say the remaining heroes in survival mode. Uh, now we're going to jump over to some Judgment Day, X-Force. I've got to tell you, this came close to my book of the week. It was so much fun. Um, and I am not a big Deadpool fan, but seeing how Deadpool interacts with Omega Red just had me cracking up. Um, and uh, this book, I'm not going to say X-Force as a book, is something you should collect. I don't know that. I tend to not pick up X-Force, but it was tied into Judgment Day. But Mm -hmm. this book is a book that if you're a fan of Deadpool, you should read. Okay. Okay. Um, We also have uh, Judgment Day, Death to the Mutants. Yep. As well as we have Judgment Day X-Men. That's a cool cover. Yeah. And I just got to say, I like the way Judgment Day is unfolding. And what you're getting are these tensions between uh, with the the Eternals understanding not all the Eternals are in favor of wiping out mutants. So some of the Eternals are siding with mutants in the war uh, against their own race, the Eternals. the Avengers are being forced to pick a side, but the the Avengers have been staying in a celestial, the body of a dead celestial. And uh, 
they have the Avengers have worked with the X-Men, have worked with the Celestial, I should say, worked with the Eternals to bring that Celestial back to life. And he's back alive now and he's passing judgment on us on Earth. And so it's not just Judgment Day in the context of war. Uh, it's Judgment Day for everybody on the planet. Uh, so I'm curious to see how this goes. We have Incredible Hulk. We have Hulk, not Incredible Hulk. Hulk number eight, the end of the banner of war. Mm. Yes. Right. <clears throat> I've got to say, love Donnie Kate's work. Not my favorite take on Hulk versus Thor. Um, and uh, by this time, it's not a spoiler. Uh, Donnie Kate switched it up as Donnie mm -hmm. Kate's known to do. And um, we didn't get Hulk versus Thor. We end up with a hulked out Thor versing a Hulk. We, uh, we, we, how do I want to make sure I say this correctly? We end up with Thor Hulk, Thor as a Hulk versus Hulk with the power of Thor because he can use Mjolnir, right? Mm -hmm. And so while it's an amazing fight, it doesn't put us in a position to ask, answer that age old question of which one would beat which one. Mm. Uh, there are different story elements that take place. Uh, here in this, and um, it's a well done story. It's not run of the mill, and I was expecting just kind of a no holds barred brawl, a bunkhouse stampede for my wrestling fans out there. I see you, Sonny. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> a bunkhouse, a bunkhouse stampede, a great American bash um, between Hulk and Thor, and what we got is really a more developed story than that. Um, so while I was looking for a greasy cheeseburger, Donnie Cates gave us a good plate of food that I was just wanting my greasy cheeseburger, if that analogy makes sense. Um, it does. And Coming so, from a guy uh, that's starving right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got Avengers number one, one million BC. Ooh. I was tempted, but I couldn't. I did not see that at my shop. Yeah. I actually like this book and the origin, the true origin of Thor. Okay. Now I definitely got to get it. Yeah. We go into, uh, there have been discussions on the Phoenix, Thor's connection with the Phoenix and the Phoenix being the mother of Thor and people lost their shit. No, it's Gaia who's the mother of Thor. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Am I let him tell the story? No, I hate it. The story hasn't been told yet. I, I can't look. Right. Um, <laughs> And so, um, no, um, they give that story. Um, it stems back to some recurring themes that we've already seen out of God world. And that's what I liked about the connection of the Phoenix into, um, uh, uh, into uh, this story with Thor. And if we look at some of the things that Phoenix has done, if we go all the way back to Avengers versus X, uh, uh, Avengers versus X-Men, the fundamental premise of that story where that brought the Avengers to conflict, the, with the X-Men was that the Phoenix is returning to earth. The Phoenix could destroy the earth and, and Cyclops Scott tells Captain America, but the Phoenix is not just about death. It's about rebirth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that at that time, all mutants were almost mutants were almost extinct could very well have been the reason the Phoenix was coming to earth for rebirth. Right. And there's a theme of that here that fits in this also. And so um, you also see some themes of the God killer, like are gods truly worthy of mortal worship? And how does this Phoenix, who's really a God or a deity, a cosmic deity, respond to that? Right. 
when she's looking at gods like Odin. And so I like the story. I like what they did in Avengers uh, 1 million BC. I recommend it as a read. Um, my last three books um, off the beaten road are IDW's uh, Dark Spaces. Okay. Right. Hmm. This is a story about some uh, a group of women firefighters, right, that are going on a heist. Um, they're all trying to reform their lives from different things. They're all, and they have an opportunity to rob a house before it's overcome by a forest fire, a blaze that's running about to run out of control. And of course, things don't go to plan, right? And so um, I found it very unique, very interesting. And so uh, if you, again, if you like the things, it's not a superhero comic, right? It's a very human comic and the characters written in it are very human and put in a real world situation. Um, if you like that kind of thing, I highly recommend it. My next book is Promethe 1313. Number yeah, two. So you were talking about that. I remember when we were talking about that. How is it going so far? Oh, I love this book just as much as the first book. Okay. Right. I love science fiction. Uh, science fiction has made such a great comeback into the comic world. Um, I utterly love everything that they're doing in, in the sci-fi realm and hard sci-fi. And this continues to, um, this, this book continues. I want to see where it goes. Uh, so if you like a science fiction story, I highly recommend uh, Promethe 1313. Um, I don't want to give too much away because there's not a lot I can say without spoiling the fundamental plot to it. Okay. But um, what we know from issue one is that there is a woman who believed when she was a child, she saw aliens. Right. Mm. And she subsequently has she lost her mind, went through therapy and uh, she was a speaker on the alien circuit for a while. But now she wants nothing else to do with that. She's under her medication and she's gotten her life together. And now that's been reengaged. She's been kidnapped by people who believe she was actually telling the truth. And they're trying to convince her she was telling the truth. And so she's struggling with her own concept, her own perception on reality. Is she telling the truth? Did, is, is she, what, did it really happen to her or didn't it happen to her? Are we watching her have a mental break? I, I enjoy the story. I think this is a good uh, time for a uh, what the. <laughs> now the book doesn't linger in that mystery. The book gives you its answer one way or another in this in this issue, but the answer has me very interested in what's going to happen in the next book. You know, um, and my book of the week, a shocking book of the week. I was not expecting it. X Men Green. Ooh. That one just came out. Green. Yeah, it just came out, and I, my comic, uh, my comic company, Third Eye, uh, my comic shop, local comic shop, Third Eye Comics, Waldorf, tossed this in a box. Thank you very much. Love you guys. Um, and uh, they tossed that in the box as something they thought I would like, since I've been picking up the main X Men book anyway. And uh, I've got to tell you, I loved it. And this book, um. Over on the DC side, we've all been raving about what's been taking place with the Poison Ivy book and how great it's been. Mm -hmm. This book has those same overtones with Earth Girl. 
um, leaving Krakoa um, to try to save the planet. And so if you're one of those people that I don't want to hear that hippie liberal green yaya, right, then don't buy this book, right? I'm just telling you right now. Um, but I think they told an expert story within that construct that's going to be unfolding. Um, and, and so if you just like a good mutant story, um, I, I recommend that book. Now, I want to put an asterisk by it. They do something in the book that I'm seeing more in the X-Men books that I don't like where they have critical events take place off screen, off panel, mm. right? And I, I don't like that. If you're gonna, if you're gonna establish a critical event, then you should show it to me. And I don't know if they ran out of panel space, um, but I've seen this recurring, recurring in these books. Um, we saw it in Avengers uh, when they did the uh, the war, the battle for the Phoenix, where mm. they would have amazing superhero fights that would just take place off panel. Captain America Phoenix runs at Logan Phoenix and then two panels later you see one of them one and they never showed you the fight. Um, they had an issue of the X-Men where Rogue had to fly through a gate and fly to Mars to pick up Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike, uh, uh, Deathstrike um, as they were falling through the atmosphere. And they just, you saw Rogue go, I've got to do it. And the next panel they're standing there back at the X-Mansion. I mean, on Krakoa, not the X-Mansion, but on Krakoa, they didn't show you the action. And I have a real problem with that as a comic fan. Mm. And this book suffered from that in one particular part where something happens and Wolverine, Logan's in the book. He says, all right, it's about time to get heavy. And then they never show him get heavy. They never show it resolved. They're just back on Krakoa. I think that's poor storytelling um, and uh, visual storytelling, I should say. And so, uh, but other than that, those are my books and my thoughts on them this week. Thank you for listening. So real fast, I did get some back issues because now I realized at my comic shop that they sell the full series on the walls because I never really look on them. I always think those are the ones that are the expensive ones and that's Jamie's not go-to area because um, he'll be racking up credit card bills like no other. But I realized that they were just series and full series. So I picked up JLA Paradise Lost, the three-issue run. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Ooh, I like that. I like that cover. Yeah. So we'll go with that. Um, next up, we have from Image, Undiscovered Country, issue 20. You know, I bowed out of that around issue six or seven. What do you think? It, it, I honestly was in the same boat as you were around there, but then I kept on because I don't give up fools. Um, but it got so much better and I'm glad I stayed with it, honestly. Okay. Next up, I picked one because it was a Moon Knight issue and I didn't oh. know that this was coming out. Um, number like one, this is Marvel and Moon Knight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For the Miss Marvel fans out there. Yeah. Yes. Because I, did, I didn't even realize, I was like, there's another Moon Knight and I saw Miss Marvel on top. I was like, I'm still going to get it now. Of course you are. Yeah, next up, Nightwing number 95. That's the man right there. Yep. Yes, like sir. Uh, we got Harley Quinn, issue 20. That's a nice issue. Okay. They've been doing some great Harley Quinn covers also. Yeah, they have. Dude, all the Harley Quinn covers are great. The interiors are not. <laughs> I got Dark Crisis, Young Justice, number three. Uh-huh. Oh, I love that cover. 
That's impulse. pretty cool. Yeah. I am enjoying it, the series so far. Um, so next up we have DC vs. Vampires All Out War Swimsuit Edition. <laughs> Is this the one? Oh, hey. Okay. Okay. Oh, Dinah in the short short. That's going to make some people mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes me happy. But we're going to talk about that off camera. Um, Black Adam number three, my variant. Okay. Yeah, I saw that one. That was too sad. Yeah. But that would be my pools for the week. Ooh. So we had a great, great week of comics and pools, guys. Indeed. All right, all right. As always, probably my pick of the week would be All Out War. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I'm going with. Okay. But now that we're off of pools, let's go on to some topics we got. Tone, I yeah. believe you have the first one for today. So let's start with uh, a basic a basic question that I, I found myself, I find myself asking over the years, but mm -hmm. simply put, have comic characters, whether they be villains or heroes, become too powerful, right? And uh, powerful to a point that you can't tell a realistic story with them, um, as realistic as a comic book could be. And let me put that in, con in the context of which I'm asking it. Um, if we go back into the 60s and the 70s, uh, powers like the Fantastic Four. You had the Human Torch. He could turn, he could use flames and he could fly. You had the Thing who was really strong, right? You had the Invisible Woman or Girl back then who could turn invisible and create invisible force fields. And you had Mr. Fantastic who could stretch. Over in the X-Men, you had Iceman who could create ice and you had Cyclops who could shoot force beams from his eyes, right? And the nature so the nature of powers were as such that they weren't all encompassing or all uh all reality destroying and people who had those powers were very few and far between right you had an owen reese the molecule man that they would drag out once every blue moon to create mm -hmm. some threat um the x-men struggled with proteus a reality warper and then they stuff him away for five or six years before you see him again Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it seems like when we get to the late 80s and to the early 90s, there's an explosion of these hyper powered, super duper uh, uh, mega omega uh, characters. And it's really in the 90s where even in the mutants, you hear the term omega level mutant come uh, come to prominence. Right. Um, and so have characters gotten too strong nowadays you can throw a rock and and hit any number of reality shaping world altering power levels on the planet period mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. wanda why if you go back to see the scarlet witch back in uh exactly kevin kevin says the authority um if you go back and uh, you look at the scarlet witch back in the 70s she's shooting hex blasts right mm -hmm. um if you check her out in the 90s in the early 2000s she's literally wiping people out of existence mm -hmm. um she's wiped she's changing the the the, re the structure of all reality around it Iceman is a mega level who can change the face of the entire planet so is storm right mm -hmm. um and so my question is how do you have conflict with so many super powerful characters that can solve problems completely on their own 
uh, where so many characters have multiple power sets is a is it interesting to have a guy who can just shoot force blasts, right? And so, what do you guys think, Jamie? You well, want to take this one first? Go yeah, ahead. I can go first. I've kind of been dabbling on this question all day. So when I when you think about this question, to me, when I go to the Marvel side. I really think that there's certain characters that they did kind of push into having these amazing new like power sets. Like take uh, Iceman for example. He's an Omega level mutant now, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Has correct. Been like, since you would he never. A, he was a mid '90s identified as a Omega level. Yeah. So you would never think that Iceman would get to that point. He was always like, "Hey, I can shoot ice. I can slide on it. I can create like anything you can think of." Basically, at ice, you know, it was never anything that stood the test of time that he changed or evolve from that matter on, and he did. Um, so seeing that progression for a character is a little bit different. Not making him too powerful, but then giving him the omega, you know, level status, kind of does. The thing with me, with at least on the Marvel side of things, and I'll get to the DC side after that, is. Marvel always seems to have this issue with villains where when a new villain comes in, the panels read the same where it was like before Galactus, before, you know, Onslaught, before blah, 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 going past the time, this this was the guy that they locked away, the most, you know, diabolical, overpowerful, like, villain you could ever think of. And you see it, like you saw with Null that just passed. You've seen it with other villains in the past, too, where it was like, this is the next big threat. Thanos, for example, too. Thanos was just an overpowered beast, especially with the gauntlet. You know, no one could stop him. No one could do anything. Null was the same way. Null was all seeing, all being. As long as there was a symbiote, he had eyes. And that was the next one. And that's something they've always used is, to me, it was it's the, well, before this character, there was this character. And we you don't know about him because he's been locked away for a millennium. You know, now he's unleashed. And I feel like that's the same trope they kind of use over and over to make him more powerful than the previous villain that there was before. They might have the same set of skills, but they don't necessarily, like, keep them on the same level playing field. They always have to hype it up one more notch just so we can keep the reader, you know, attention there. Now, on the DC side, for me, I feel like they can't give anyone a new power. They try, like, especially with, let's say, like a Kyle Rayner, for example. You gave him iron, and then they were like, okay, now he's too powerful. Can we, is there a way we can retract that a little bit, especially since he's Ion and he's like a god now? And then later on, they bring him back with uh, being the White Lantern. And too powerful, and then one panel, he just switches back. So yeah. they always kind of bring that. He, like I don't know how to say it. They bring back the humanized version of that character rather than keep them at that level so that way they're not an overbearing hero in a sense to the main story. Really then you quick to interject, Kevin says, uh, and thanks for chiming in, Kevin. He yes. says he likes the idea of Cable who's ridiculously powerful but has to hold back 90% of his abilities in order to keep his techno-organic virus in check. It's a neat explanation. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Kevin. But then they immediately created Nate Gray, right? Who was Cable without it, uh, without the technical virus. They created Strife on one side, right? Uh, 
which was the clone of Cable, who didn't have that hindrance. And then they create Nate Gray, who has that uh, doesn't have that hindrance. He's burning out, though, but he's not really burning out. Um, like I said, these these I love the Cable, but then they immediately did the same thing again. Well, we want to go this way with it, superpower. We want to go that way with it, superpower. And, um, so I cut you off, Jamie. Go ahead, please. I just want to get Kevin's uh, statement. No, that, that's fine. Kevin brings up a great point. But then, as I was saying, like with the DC villains, it seems like it's the same set. They just come up with a new way of going about it. If that makes any sense. Like, I feel like we've had the same character, like, rogues, if you would say, like with the Dark Side or uh, Calabac, you know, the whole new gods, old gods. And they keep with that type frame, especially with the crises. You know, we look at that, it's still the same thing. Pariah is still a main, you know, antagonist in there. You've got the Legion of Doom who's still a main antagonist in there. You're, you're, you're keeping to the same formula. You're just making, shifting the plan, shifting the idea. Not trying to make them overbearing to, can they defeat them? I, I wore this for today just because of the fact that it makes a point is that even, you know, through that hero's journey aspect, they're not fighting the next level. They're fighting what they know on a different scale of planning rather than, Hey, we're going to go fight this guy because he's the strongest and the baddest in the universe. Let's take him out. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great look at it. What do you think, Sal? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I think a lot of the uh, superheroes or the heroes and villains become overpowered. And I think they've become overpowered because of escalation. And, and mm-hmm. I mean that in a way of, okay, we've done this. And I'm going to quote a Wolverine thing here is, you know, with Jugger- he talks about with Juggernaut. You know, he, they fight Juggernaut, they kick his ass. Juggernaut fights them, they kick his, they kick, he kicks their ass, and then they go back to normal. It's just the same thing over and over and over and over again. So to capture the new reader or to capture a uh, bigger audience, they superpower some villain or some hero to a point, and then they have to say, okay, well... What has he got to go against? Well, that this is kind of leads into what you guys were saying about this other person, you know, has been put away for months, and now he's, he comes back in the limelight and says, "Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm now this this tier level, you know, powerful." So then they set up these battles again with now these new tier powers, and I think they just keep up in the ante every time. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, for they DC- just, Kevin just said they did the they recently did the same thing with the Human Torch. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Didn't they create a an evil human torch, something or other? I think they just did. Or they're yeah, about the human candle. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I I was I saw reading something about that, and I'm like, oh, I'll look at that later. And I never circled back to it. Um, on the DC side, I think they try to introduce too many, not too many, but that's a bad bad way to say it. They try to bring in new villains to, I guess. Um, rekindle a book and i think there's been like six or seven batman villains i could actually say probably that have popped onto the scene but then i've never heard from again type of situation well real fast to interject on that one kind of piggybacking off you when i was reading dark crisis 3 i was looking at one side and i was like oh my god i know who that is i've seen them before but i haven't seen them in a while like who is that villain It, it was punchline and I was like, is it sideline slapstick? What is her name? And I'm like, 
I'm like, what? I couldn't think of it. Dude, I'm laying in bed for like 15 minutes going like, going like, clown That's hitter? Great. Is it clown great. killer? Clown hitter? Just... No, clown hitter is someone else. And I just kept going and going. And I'm like, finally, I'm like, Punchline, got I it. I love it. I must. That would be my superhero name, Sideline. <laughs> Sideline. <laughs> so why is he never in the fight? He's on <laughs> Sideline. Oh, I put God. it locked out in high school, so it's okay. I get it. Oh my goodness, man! I'm just not that energetic about this fight. It fits my powers. I'm sideline. <laughs> mm. What are you guys doing? I'm going to be over here. Anyone? Anyone need a drink? Any go water? Team. Go team! <laughs> you see, Tell walking around with the Gatorade cups, just like good. You got that. You got What's that, Cyclops. Name? Oh, good blast. Good blast. Me and slapstick over here. We're going yeah. to go to 7 Eleven. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. I just got to get that out. So, so, with a lot of these characters, I think they uh, retcon a lot of powers to make them more powerful, too. Because in the beginning, Cyclops' blasts were just, you know, concussion blasts. But now I think the latest one is they're opening, they're opening to another dimensional. Or another alternate reality when it's all dimensional power or something like that. It's just, you yeah. know, coming out of them type situation. So I don't know the full details, and I, you know, I'm bad for not knowing the details on that one. But I think they retcon a lot of powers to accommodate the situation. And I think I remember the episode, or not the episode, the issue where Iceman uh, realizes he's he's been, you know, his powers like jacked up because he gets jacked up. Uh, from Loki in X Factor, and he has to wear a belt to yeah. tone his power down so he doesn't go completely and freeze the planet type situation. Yeah. I remember that now, one. Yeah, now to be clear, that was a little bit more than being jacked up by Loki, yeah. right? So, Bobby Drake, I want to put into his own kind of category here. Yeah. I never minded the evolution of Bobby Drake to become what he was, right? Just because there was a kind of a decades long evolution that took place there. It starts, there's a stint where he actually goes and lives with the frost giants in Asgard and he comes back super powered, right? Mm, okay. Like uh, that time they really enhanced his power. And that was before Loki screwed with him. The belt was more about the power scaling he got living with the frost giants, which I thought was a cool crossover to take a mutant out of kind of the mutant setting and dump them in the Asgardian setting, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and that was his first true big power bump, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, and then I also like, they kind of did the whole Owen Reese thing, right? Owen Reese, super powerful, but he's, he's blocked by, you know, it's mental blocks. He can't mess with organic molecules. And then they take that away in the Secret Wars, but mm -hmm. they immediately give him the whole personality where I don't want to, reshape the world i just want to sit on the couch and eat potato chips with my girlfriend i'm cool right <laughs> and, and so i they the personality becomes the restrictor you get the same thing with bobby where uh with the whole emma situation where she takes over his body does mm -hmm. all these amazing things like you've got more power than all the x-men put together but you're a clown right, right. And you won't mm -hmm. use it right and um yeah exactly kevin it took emma to, to show him what he was himself capable of right um so i kind of like that but if we look now across the, the Marvel spectrum, I mean, just we've got Blue Marvel, right? Who is a who is a Superman in Marvel. We have yeah. Sentry, 
yeah. who is a Superman in Marvel. Mm-hmm. We and have Sentry is the most like thrown away character I've yep. seen. Yeah, we have we have Hyperion, who is mm-hmm. a Superman in Marvel, right? We have Thor, who is a Superman in Marvel, right? These are just kind of the Superman kind of knockoffs, if you will. Um, Marvel's take on a different Superman. Man, you've got freaking five Superman flying around the planet. Is there really any problem that they can't deal with? Right. right. Um, yeah. And, and so it, it kind of like okay, um, or or let me let me take it approach it from the other from the other dis, uh, perspective, right? Um, yeah, Icarus, that's right, mm-hmm. I- exactly. Um, from the Eternals, you got another Superman flying around the planet, right? Um, we everybody is very passionate about Spider-Man, right? And everybody hates when Peter gets moved too far from his origins. Right. And uh, when they do bigger and badder things with them, they've tried to advance the character. People immediately, you know, lose their shit. It doesn't feel like Peter Parker anymore. And they want to revert him back to kind of bumbling, stumbling Peter who can't who struggles to hold down a job and 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 manage time and always puts his family behind Spider-Man and and mm-hmm. and all this. Right. But look at mm-hmm. Peter's villains from the Peter Parker heyday. The Puma was a villain. Right. Mm hmm. The Puma, a guy, what's his power? He's a Puma, right? <laughs> right. That's his power. I got Puma skills. Puma. Right. <laughs> exactly. You um, could like distract him with a laser dot. It, it, exactly. <laughs> he's running you know, the side uh, of the building. He's like, I got this guy. Don't worry. You know, you've got Electro. He's his power. He's the Sandman who's his power. And so if you were to tell one shot stories with Spider-Man where he's doing that again, would we find that interesting? Right. Um, and, and or would we find it boring? Like you know, would today's kids find it boring? You mean he just shoots electricity? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I mean, come on, he has a villain, the vulture. What does the vulture do? He flies. He's a vulture. Right? Yeah. right. He flies and he tries to rob a bank. Right. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a bank robber story? Right. Right. <laughs> We're gonna go what out. We're gonna. When was the last time there was an actual bank around? You know, <laughs> usually that's in the back of the panel where you just see the guys running. He's like, I got that later. <laughs> and so, in today's world, while we we wax romantic about kind of the old day of the old days of comics, shocker, shocker. exactly. Yeah. Um, the scorpion. I got a big tail. Scorpion tail. Scorpion sting. Ah, right. And. <laughs> Yeah, that was great for the 70s, the 60s, the human torch. I need to help Spider-Man. I'm going to burn the tail off the scorpion with my flames, right? The Hulk shows up and puts the human torch out with a fire hydrant. Right? Yay! So for the day's world, um, we wax romantic when we see the changes they make. And we're like, ah, it sucks compared to what was. But today, if they were to go back to that, man today's characters are so much more powerful than that right mm-hmm. um like one character could come in and slap around everybody on the street that's doing that hijinks and keep it moving mm-hmm. right and so mm-hmm. um and, and marvel doesn't really have any real true dc style speedsters imagine if they had them right you got quicksilver yeah. right and you got north star um mm-hmm. but um so i do think comic characters have become too powerful to continually tell the kinds of stories that used to be told right yeah we gotta have like a a, god oh no i was gonna say compared to that i think with 
the let's just say the film franchises and everything else you that that's that's like abolished at this point because yeah. now they want the next big hero or they want the next big villain <laughs> and they want <laughs> i'm putting it up there <laughs> it shit worked in the comics in the 80s man yeah man go hostess go get it um those are nasty nasty hostess, man nasty you're you're attacking my paperboy childhood sal i know <laughs> a lot of paperboy money went to those hostess cakes when i was a oh, teenager i'm only i'm only attacking the tone because those things were nasty okay <laughs> i ate them and they were nasty Okay. I ate them and loved them every second of them as, as I blew my paperboard money before I could get home, right? 13-year-old <laughs> me oh. thought it was the height of, cul uh, of culinary uh, achievement of the human mm. race. I okay. still do. Okay. <laughs> but so. back, I was saying, back to what I was saying, you, you just can't have that anymore. I feel like now with people's uh, attention spans, on certain things, they go for the, like, who is the hardest hitting, who is the fastest, who is the most villainous, who is the most powerful. And you're climbing that ladder and it gets harder for whatever industry you're looking, whatever publisher you're looking at, for them to accomplish something of those feats. So they do what they can to keep your attention on those aspects. I would love a good bank robber story again. I would love to see a normal, like, hey, he just stole some money from a wrestling event, you know, kind of deal. But those stories, if we get them, they're probably being an annual or a one-shot type of aspect, and that's it. Now it's who is the next big baddie in line, who are we taking out as soon as we can, mm -hmm. and who's in the way. Yeah. So I feel like it's – the, the progression of superheroes now it needs every event needs to be an epic event to, to tell the story it's yeah. you know you can't have these epic level characters let's say phoenix stopping a bank robbery you know or something like that so right so everything you know, has back, to be an epic sorry you know back in the 90s when they got the uh the justice league as we know it today together the in the book the jla for the first time the first time putting the big seven together in one book i saw an interview with grant morrison or i should say i read one in wizard back then i think it was wizard and um he was talking about the mindset that dc had which i think was a good reason for concern um well i'm gonna ad lib i'm gonna surf this a little bit uh, I'm going to add some tone in here, some tone super, and then I'm going to go into what Grant Morrison said and how it fits into it. Um, I read something else somewhere that was talking about Superman pre-crisis Superman and how he was so strong that he was actually difficult to write a book for. Mm. Right? Um, you had this, you had this being that the only way they could create a challenge for him was to pepper kryptonite across the entire world, right? Um, and and his characters, they said, if you go back and look at his villains back then, most of them were not physical villains. They were, he had a lot of prankster-style vi villains. Uh, mm -hmm. Mitzelplik or Mitzius, uh, Mitzius Pitlick, depending on how you like the pronunciation that came out of right. D.C. Toy Master, Toy Man, right? Uh, prankster. And he mm -hmm. had these more nuisance-style villains because he was so... He could move planets with his fingers. Boop, right? How do you mm -hmm. channel... He, was, he wasn't nigh invulnerable. He was invulnerable. Right. So how do you write a challenge for that guy? And so through Crisis of the Infinite Earth, 
Superman was depowered. And that's where we start getting solar ba power battery Superman. Not, I've been in Yellow Sun so long, I, went, I am internally super, as in when I fight, I get depleted, right? And that solar energy gets expended, right? It's not too long after crisis, you get the death of Superman. Let's test that out. Let's actually kill him, right? So they wanted to write Superman in a way where they could actually create a challenge for him. And the concern, as Grant Morrison had implied in his in his interview, was the same thing with the JLA. When you get these heroes together, how do you write a challenge for them monthly, right? Mm. I mean, you've got Superman, Wonder Woman, right? You've got the preeminent, the most powerful man, basically the, 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 the living God with a man's heart, right? You've got the preeminent warrior of the ages. You've got the best strategic planner and critical thinker, right, on the planet and the best detective. You have the fastest man, so fast he can, he can uh, move through time. You've got the most powerful weapon in the universe. You've got the master of, uh, of the seven seas, right? And, mm -hmm. and you have an alien that embodies the skills of all of them simultaneously, right? How do you challenge that monthly, right? And Grant Morrison was saying that was the challenge that got him up, right? I, I've got to come up with stories big enough that that it challenges these guys. Uh, if I can, if I can do a story arc that goes three to four months, that every three to four months they've got something new that's going to push this team. And I think he did an outstanding job. It's a legendary run, right? Mm -hmm. But now you have that same problem just scattered across the entire universe in marvel right dc's a little bit better managed with that because nobody ever exceeds superman right mm -hmm. Superman's still their pinnacle and no matter who they write they write in something why you know if you've got preyus out there who's basically a superman and you've got zod out there who's basically a superman why can't they kick clark's ass because clark is clark and dc has to always have clark win right but mm -hmm. um Anyway, uh, I think I'm lamenting, uh, <laughs> lamenting the point at this at, at this point. Um, I think that for I can't say for effective storytelling, it's gotten too big. I think the powers have gotten too big where you can't realistically see why they can't solve anything. Right. right? Um, mm -hmm. Like it's so, clearly right there, but they're like, what? Yeah. Sentry wiped the entire world's mind when he wanted to be left alone, right? Um, and he wanted to be, he wiped the whole world's mind and incarcerated, which is why no one remembered Sentry, right? You right. have a telepath of that level and, and Bob and Bob, like, are you really telling me like the Sentry can't reach out and go, oh, I see evil people in the city thinking evil thoughts. I think I'm going to go, go grab them right now. Yeah, to um, take care of the situation at hand, mm -hmm. but but that they might see it as something where it's like, oh well, okay, that that's just lazy storytelling. I just thought about it, and I'm there, you know. Yeah. It, but Sentry's always been like to kind of shift the first second. Sentry's always been the character that's like, you can do that with him, but every time you see him, he's either ripped in half, or they captured him in a bubble where he can only read his own mind and can only use powers in the bubble, like. That's it. Sentry is Superman with reality warping powers, mm -hmm. right? And telepathy. He's a Gene Gray level telepath, 
he's a molecule man reality reanger with all a uh, reality a rearranger with all the powers of superman like what problems do you have right yeah. mm -hmm. um, and that's why they come up with those tropes yeah. right um they literally wrote his weakness into oh my god i'm terrified of my alter ego right <laughs> The void is going to come out. We're going to turn evil. Who's the void? I am, bitches. <laughs> right. um, Copper, my only but, weakness. <laughs> but when we get nostalgic about the old days, I don't think we want old day stories, right? Um, and I think if if they went back to just writing the stories based upon the powers and the abilities of the characters in the '60s and the '70s, I think we would all get bored. Yeah, and they really took away that idea of that villain of the month kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If you know what I'm talking about, where it was like, hey, we're showcasing this character. Let's see if we can popularize him. If not, he's going in the back bin, and then we're going to move on from there. We, we, we've we we've gone away from that so much that when you do introduce a new villain or character, you're just like, they're not going to last either way. So thanks for trying. Like. <laughs> Like sideline and slapstick, I was talking about earlier. I couldn't remember for the life of me, and I'm just like, why? It's like if you're a ground character and you're not already, you don't already have like a uh, like a fan base behind you. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's no point in you anymore. Yeah, like there we go. Like something like the Punisher. Now they just beefed him up a little bit more, but it was like beforehand. It, if you would have set him up against Thanos or something, you're gonna take him out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're gonna take him out with the forty-seven and a couple flashbangs. I don't think that's gonna work, Frank. I'm sorry. Right. You know. Right. So you, if you're not like a high-powered character, you're not your your popularity is not there no more. You're just kind of right. like, oh look, a new Punisher title. Mm -hmm. He's still there. He's still around. Yeah. But then again, I can't really say that because you got Batman, and he's prepped, so I can't really say much about him. Now let's see. Kevin says also after more than 60 years, there's already been so many stories told. How hard is it to keep coming up with uh, coming up with new powers and uh, new ideas month after month after month for years and decades? No pressure there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kevin. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I feel like they knew. I feel like they knew where they were going with this and they actually poked their finger with it with uh the x-men character um what was his name uh matthew malloy the one who was super powerful and they ended up going back in time to make sure he was never born mm -hmm. um because he could literally destroy reality with a whim and i feel like that was the writers kind of poking us that hey we've got to stop this they created a character and then unmade him in the same story arc um and I, I think that was the subtext of that story. Um, you know, we can't keep creating more and more and more and more powerful mutants, right? Just mm -hmm. to appease the next biggest banana rama razzle dazzle out there. And we're gonna yeah, start right. telling smaller stories. Um, and yeah, no pressure at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I could do it though, right? Like mm -hmm. I, he controls molecules, he controls particles. He controls dark matter, right? Yeah, you know, just like, ugh. And yet they can't find a good way to represent Firestorm, and it's upsetting. Yeah, it's fucking tragedy. <laughs> We're talking about tragedy and comics. That, that's number one. DC, don't ever let me buy that last takeover share. 
right? Yeah. Mm. Stone, Stone's going to take over and be like, we're making a firestorm department, and that's it, Nazera. Do not come in my bubble. <laughs> someone's going to come up to... Yeah, I was going to say, someone's going to come up and say, say uh, wait, I don't like this Firestar character. I think she needs to go. And Tones will be like, out, out. Yeah. Just get out yeah. right now. <laughs> just, just leave. You Just guys leave. would be like, uh, I'll, I'll totally be like the, uh, the king and uh, Braveheart. Security. Who is this who speaks to me as though I know their name? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I am skilled in comic writing in, mm. uh, in the arts of, in the arts of drawing. Really. <laughs> Ronnie Raven. Oh. Window. Yeah. Open the window for this guy. I don't think we should do a five storm, sir. So, what would you say about the current? Print run. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what did you do? I threw off the emperor's groove. <laughs> the groove. Firestorm. <laughs> Thank you for the discussion, guys. Uh, you know, as as classic comic fans, uh, you know, I know you've noticed the trend over the years, and I was just curious to what everyone thought about it, um, because sometimes it just bothers me. It's not realistic yeah. that they that it takes a giant story arc to solve some of these problems. And sometimes I do kind of miss the old days when it was just ice beams and optic blasts. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, very true. But well, we can get into something a little bit different too and more, you know, less uh, optic beamy, I would say. Um, let's talk about uh, She-Hulk episode one. Did everyone watch it? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. I can tell someone's excited. So, so, someone's got a hair. So, I mean, me and Sal kind of talked about this earlier. So, Sal, if you want to start this one off, man, go for it. Okay, I'll start it off. Um, I'm going to start off with saying I liked it. I thought it was a good opening story. Uh, it kept me, you know, riveted or, you know, attention span. I was there for the whole thing, even the end credits, mm -hmm. which was uh, hilarious. Um, yes. I'll, I'll preface this with saying I was never a big She-Hulk fan to begin with. Just not my cup of tea. But I was still interested in the character and in the story. So I'm definitely on board. We'll watch it. I think I'm going to, right now, I would say it's definitely a solid eight and a half for me. So I I, I like it, and I'll go continue to watch it. Cool. Tone? Um, I was always a She-Hulk fan, uh, one, especially once they put her in the Fantastic Four. Uh, mm -hmm. And post-Secret Wars, when the thing hangs back and they put the She-Hulk in the Fantastic Four, I, I just fell in love with the character. Uh, I love Jen Walters. And I love the fact that I got I got Hulk-level strength um, and, and a sexy lady bod that was fun to read. Um, and um, and, uh, and just to be, just to own it, I mean, we know that especially at that time the comic industry is really dominated male dominated it still is today but i think it's better than what it was male dominated industry older males drawing uh drawing things drawing women specifically to entice teenage males right and so a lot of the especially when she started her own book a lot of the stories were very risque they always drew her kind of half drawn and it was it was a current theme of the book um um, and so, uh, and so I like that, that kind of loose, lighthearted fun of the comic clearly is a part of the show. Now, Kevin mm -hmm. just made a point that I did want to make. Kevin took the words right out of my, yeah, I was going to bring like, it up too. 
I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of how she transformed into the her version of the She-Hulk. Um, I thought, hey, a couple of drops of blood falls into her wound. I would have preferred them to stay closer to the whole blood transfusion. That 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 would have made more sense. Um, but when I even when I saw that, I thought, wow, that's just a big, uh, you know, that's a big jump from the original story. That's not really necessary. Mm. They literally could have had him in a car accident without an alien ship, and she wakes up having had a blood transfusion from Bruce. You know. Um, and uh but i digress from that the show was fun mm -hmm. i i didn't expect to take it seriously i was hoping they would follow kind of the lighthearted nature of the comic um and it did that uh and so yeah i really enjoyed it i'll probably go eight um i'll probably go eight out of um uh eight out of ten on that eight out of ten planets for me i'm looking forward to see where it goes uh and uh, Kevin says he uh, he thought her muscles weren't really quite that defined. Yeah, I think her her Hulk form could use a little bit uh, buffing up, right? Um, I think Marvel's trying, uh, Marvel Disney's trying to hit a sweet spot um, between uh, strength and keeping her feminine. Uh, I think that that's the balance they're trying to. And some people are get angry at that, yeah. where they go, "Oh, you know, woman power and in in the feminist crap." <laughs> And, you know, I'm just not in it for that. Um, and I'm okay with lines of dialogue that are for women. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and I, I got no problem with it. Just the same way people hated the woman power scene in Endgame, right? Uh, and people, ah, stupid. It was the most cringeworthy thing ever. I'm kind of like, I just watched uh, I just watched hair and muscles and, bo and beer belly fat fight for two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get angry at 35 seconds of women fighting. Uh, nah, I'm not angry at that at all. Let the ladies have it for 35 seconds. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, they can get more screen time for all for my concern. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I felt like this, it, you know, they. I don't feel they did things overtly. I think, uh, you know, there is an underlying we want to appeal to women here to know women have a place here in the medium where we default back automatically to say uh, men uh, to say, and so many men go, Oh, you know, it's not, you just need to tell an effective story. Yeah. 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 But in that effective story, you've always had your place and we haven't always created a place for women within those stories in that place for women, not that place for uh, not that place. Uh, we've had a place for us through, through our eyes for women, not a place through women's eyes for themselves. That hasn't always existed. And I want to take for granted that it has always existed. So if there's a line in there that supports that, that'll resonate with a woman somewhere, so be it. Um, her whole her whole story really pissed some people off about um, that one dialogue where she says, I've had to control my anger. You know, I, I have to right. control my anger my whole yeah. life better at it than you. That really pissed off a lot of guys. You're your right. feminist bullshit. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was like, eh. I've talked to my sister about her experiences before. I've talked to my wife about her experiences before. And mm -hmm. uh, is that every woman's experience? No. Right. Um, but I'm not going to deny them uh, that there are women out there that have had that experience because I personally don't like it. Um, that line of dialogue did nothing to dissuade me from the show. Uh, bottom line is I enjoyed it a lot. 
eight out of ten, and I'm looking forward to the next episode. Awesome. So yeah, I I totally agree with you, Tony. I've seen those those uh, board battles about uh, the feminine issues and stuff like that, and it, it, I didn't get involved with them because it was just like you're never going to change those people's minds. They're idiotic, and them having that line in there, I I didn't hate it. I actually kind of liked it because I I feel it brings more light to what women do have to go through, and I. You know, it could change people's minds maybe down the road. And I think that's great. So I think doing that is maybe a setup for a precursor for something you know, for more stuff down the road. But I think they also worked it into the story to help her character progress. And that's mm -hmm. what I liked about it, too. Let me tell you, Sal, Kevin just said I found that very believable. Um, mm -hmm. In my real time job a couple of years ago, I had an employee and I was coming from a meeting and she was coming from a meeting and we just happened to pass each other in the main hallway of our where i work mm -hmm. and um i was going to go grab some lunch and she was going to go to the cafeteria and grab some lunch so we walked together keep in mind i'm her boss right um and it just so happens uh that while i am walking with her to the cafeteria this three different guys try to talk to her like holler at her try to get on with her girl you know i love you girl you know i can't wait to get her oh would you mind you want to get together sometime this was she's just going to get lunch this was one day yeah this was eight minutes while i walked to the cafeteria with her mm -hmm. and as i and she was very discreet she was very she was she just smiled and no thank you and she kept moving mm -hmm. we turned and we walked back up the elevator and um she calls out, I know what you're thinking. Don't do anything. I'm fine. Right. And I said, okay, no problem. And as I'm walking away from her, another guy comes up to me. And this guy's like, oh man, she's so fine. Do you know anything about her? She's got a fat ass. Right. And I said, hey, that's my employee. And then he immediately backs off. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. Mm. That was the smallest insight into this woman's day. Now, of course, yeah. I went and did my management thing after that, right? I talked to my bosses. I reached out to some other supervisors. I brought her in and had a talk with her. And But my point in saying all of that is just walking with her, I encountered that. Yeah, right? Right. in that short time span. Right. Now, people would say, well, maybe you've got a bad environment there. And maybe I do. Maybe i got a bad environment I'm trying to clean up. But when you ignore what women say, right, you diminish their experience. Mm -hmm. Now, all they can do is tell you what their experience is, right? And it's up to you to listen to it. But don't tell, don't say they're lying or don't say, no, you're just, that's just part of X, Y, and Z, right? Because you didn't have that experience. No guys are coming out and hollering at me and saying, I got a fat ass when I'm walking across the building. Speak for yourselves. <laughs> I knew Jamie was going to say something on that one. But, and so I, I, now tying that all back into She-Hulk, it made that line very believable for me for Jen Walter's experience, right? Yeah. Now that yep. doesn't mean it's great when, it, uh, when we, now we tie this to the characters for the interaction between Jen and Bruce, right? Like when Bruce is trying to, tell her what her experience is going to be as a hulk he's from the heart trying to help her and she's trying to communicate hey my experience is different than yours right right 
-hmm. and they're having this disconnect. And in the end, that pushback helps them talk, right? Um, and I appreciated that from the show. But yeah. to see that rage at just the lines in there was very disheartening for me for the comic book community, right? You mm -hmm. just love misandry or misandry, right? And I'm like, no, I don't just love it, but I didn't see that line as out of pocket, right? Yeah, um, or forced. Yeah. I agree, 100%. Jamie, we 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 kind of dog walked that. Uh, what you got, my man? I agree. So thank you guys for showing up today. No, <laughs> no. It, to me, I see my difficulty is always the first episode. It always is, no matter what. I did, did it with Moon Knight. I did it with Hawkeye, WandaVision. I've done it with DC shows, Titans. Go on and on. Oh, mm -hmm. it's always the first episode that gets me. So like for rating wise. It's like a seven and point seven five for me because I I want to give it an eight but I can't because I feel like I've I've I haven't been too too traversed into the She Hulk realm. I know the origin. I know the character overall. I've seen her in the Fantastic Four, which I had no idea she was part of, and I'm like, why is she here? Um, but for the show itself, I really did enjoy it. I, I did. I, I there's parts that bothered me though. There's a, a a specific part where uh, Bruce finally brings her down. She like fights those guys at the barn and she wakes up basically where Bruce is on the island. And he's basically explaining, oh yeah, I've had this place. I, I checked. This is how I fixed myself for five years. And I was like, we've been wondering about this. First off, I know it's not Bruce's show, but we've been wondering about this for the last uh, end game what happened between Infinity War and Endgame? And we just tried to fix it within five seconds. And then it, and then he, you know, goes into his little joke where it's like, and that's a million dollars worth of damage right there that I have to figure out how to fix out because I don't got Tony anymore. Mm -hmm. Then you like a positive to it though is I do like the way they don't make her look like the Hulk Bruce Banner. I, I, I don't need the muscle and definition because you really don't at that point. She shows her strength. She shows what she can do. She shows that she's the different character than him. You need to make the character stand out. You need to make big differences between the two characters. And that to me, that's fine. I don't mind not seeing her like just bulge out and rip out of a shirt, you know, even though you do see that later on. But like it's just because she grew, it wasn't because her biceps were bigger than my torso, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the bigger aspects that I did, I, I don't think I liked as much, was I felt like they, they Ragnarok. They're they're Ragnaroking like every movie. There's this, there's this sense of comedic aspect, like this whole like every every five minutes you need a funny line. No, you don't. I get the character, and you can do that. Breaking the fourth wall, you're Deadpooling it too. You know, it, it's great. I can I can deal with that. But when it's every you know, the, the line in that one was the whole Steve Rogers is a virgin. We okay, we got that. That was the funny part that I laughed. I'm not going to lie. And then she's talking about America. Did you see America's ass? Look at that thing. Like, those are great. But it felt like, like they were trying to force that comedy down your throat and staying away from, like, the real issue at hand. And I think that's what deterred me a little bit from it was the fact that I'm like, I've seen this before. I've seen this comedic scale. You know, it. there's no, you, you, you're giving me Ragnarok, which was great, 
you're giving to me again, and this is every single thing that's moving forward now. It has to have that comedic line every five minutes. No, you don't. You can be serious and still get your point across. Yeah, I think MCU Universe actually is going that direction. I really do. And, and, and it's kind of, it's sad to me because of the fact that some of these characters, you shouldn't have any comedic aspect behind them. Yeah, yep. a funny one-liner is great. But if you're doing it throughout the whole episode and of uh, the 45 minutes... 25 of them are trying to make you laugh. I'm sorry. You know, I, I agree, but not with She-Hulk because that's what, now I'm going to just throw this in. The She-Hulk mm-hmm. comic book was like that. Okay. Right? Um, like I, said, I haven't She-Hulk. been traversing it. So, yeah. And so yeah. not, not the later stuff, but the original She-Hulk comic book, that was the theme of it. Like it, they didn't take it too seriously. I, I maintain, I believe that when, uh, Rob Liefeld creates Deadpool, and then I think there's the next the next creator that comes in after him that really turns Deadpool into what he is now. Mm-hmm. I think he had to have been a fan of what they were doing in She-Hulk because so many of the things they did with Deadpool, the comedy aspect, the breaking the fourth wall, were actually She-Hulk first, right? right. And mm-hmm. um, and so, but I totally agree with the MCU becoming increasingly comedic when it doesn't have to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness was was held down by that. I think uh, I, I think they totally missed Love and Thunder. They missed the mark on Love and Thunder because of it. I think Thor Ragnarok set the trend on that. Um, mm-hmm. And if you look at it, um, the they started mm-hmm. trending Thor to comic release uh, comic relief very early on. Um, and I think it just grew and grew and maybe that's chris uh was it chris hemsworth his yeah. perfect place of of acting i don't know but um yeah i do think the mcu is relying too much on comedy and not serious towards storytelling um but when i see it in she hulk specifically mm-hmm. it it feels like the comic to me the original right. comic not the comics that came out later in kind of the the early 2010s uh through 2015s not those those were very serious themed um but the, the classic she-hulk comics that came out in the late 80s and the early 90s yeah it like i said it, it, if it was like that that's fine understandable but i feel like i've been it, it's been forced down my throat so much now that it's just a trope to get into the next phase and i it, it's really deterring me from like okay i want to watch this next one but do i really if i know the scheme and what they're going to do throughout the whole, you know, series or the next movie, you know, it, they, a lot of these characters aren't comedic. Like they don't have one-liners. They don't have like Moon Knight. There's a couple that were, you know, they were funny, but then they tried again. And I'm like, why, why are you doing that to him? Mm-hmm. You know, in a sense, like he, that, that's something he would not say. That's like, Really? And then you go, you move on to like another show and it's like, okay, I'm starting to see the trend here. Like this is getting out of hand at this point, to me at least. Like not every, like Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, I thought that should have been a straight horror movie at that point. That's what we were told it was going to be. That's what we had. And I saw so many tries for one line, punchline, everything they could. Punchline, punchline. Yeah, there. See, I figured out her name. Um, yeah, slapstick. But my the point is, <laughs> side, <line. laughs> side line. 
sideline and slapstick. Right. That that should be a comic. Yeah. Sorry, but I didn't it, interrupt you, Jamie. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. But it that got rid of that whole that they made that movie just like mid-tier mediocre for me. Mm-hmm. The only great parts were the cameos. Like other than that, I, I didn't find anything I liked about it because it, it took away from what I thought this movie was gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so and, and that, I, there's a lot more multiverse and madness I like, I dislike than that. But that mm-hmm. is something I definitely dislike in multiverse of madness, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But and I back- think we can all agree that they went they overplayed that hand to a point where everyone is saying it now after Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. just a full-on romantic comedy, right? Yeah, but when she, when she Hulk, I was gonna say there, there were a couple good points, especially when they're like Bruce is trying to help Jennifer, and he, she's like, "I don't need your help. I can control this." The first night, yeah, I, I messed up. I blurred out. I'm getting used to it. I just turned into this thing. Like, what? what let me, let me get my bearings. I'm conscious. I know what's going on. I could talk to you. We're fine. He's like, well, I'm just going to rip these pages right out. And she goes, good. Like, we don't need them. We got this figured out already. And then with those training montages and stuff, the one part that I'm going to tell you that I did not like about that at all with everything training is when they got into the fight where Jennifer wanted to leave and she hits him with the Jeep and he goes flying into rocks. <laughs> he just threw a boulder and broke the ozone layer five <laughs> which, minutes ago. Which, which I love. I love that throw, by the way. Yeah, that throw that was, was awesome. Fun. The but, guy yeah, they, threw it and broke the ozone layer, and he gets hit with a 94 Jeep, and he gets tossed. <laughs> and she was probably doing maybe about 20 miles an hour at that point. I'll say 25, and he's thrown into rocks, and, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And he's laying there like he just got Kamehameha into like a freaking <laughs> boulder. He's stuck there. Shout out to Dragon Ball Z. But the point is, is that like that you were doing that for the comedic relief again. Yeah. That part bothered me so much. Other than that, like seeing her try to be a lawyer, going her little flash forward, going back, and then that fight at the end was great. That part mm-hmm. made me be like, okay, now I want more because Bruce ain't talking behind her right now being like, you need to be a superhero, Jennifer. This is what superheroes do. Superhero this, superhero that. She's like, nah, screw that. I'm a lawyer. Be a lawyer. <laughs> I can punch people as hard as I want and be a lawyer. We're yeah. good. That caught me. That was like, okay, this this is what made it. Aside yes. from America's ass and then finding out that she's like, Steve Rogers. And then it was over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the superhero thing um, to me, I think they were taking the opportunity and I read somewhere that one of the producers at Marvel made a comment this week or last week that they really didn't know what direction to take the Hulk in, which is why they ended up doing the things that they did with the Hulk and mm-hmm. ultimately making him comic relief and just going with smart Hulk. Right. right. Um, and, uh, the, and I want to be, uh, draw the line here down the middle. They did not specifically say, this is doc green. This is not doc green. This is right. smart Hulk. Right. And, there's a difference. Um, and so for all of my, my Hulk fans out there that said Doc Green, uh, there was Doc Green when we saw him in Infinity War uh, uh, and we saw him in Endgame. I should say we saw him in Endgame. No, it's not Doc Green, right? So we see Smart Hulk. And um, 
And so I feel like they were trying to bring you some closure as they move into the next phase on what's going on with Banner, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think this first episode of She-Hulk was, was less about her and more about where he is and the path they're going to put him on after this. So I don't expect mm -hmm. to see Bruce in the series that, that frequently anymore. No, because even at the top, at the end credits, it was like special guest was yeah. Mark Ruffalo as Hulk. And I was like, okay, yeah. good. It's special guest, not reoccurring character. And so they, they really show him missing Tony really around the edges that relationship mm -hmm. that he had developed with Tony Stark. Uh, he's clearly passing the Hulk baton to her. We know there's going to be a whole new Avengers team that she is clearly going to be a part of. And I think they took the opportunity because he was really heavy handed. Uh, the superhero, superhero, you got to control your name, you got to control it. There was like 25 minutes of that mm -hmm. uh, in this. We start mm -hmm. with her as a lawyer. We get her transformation. And then it's 25 minutes of you got to be a superhero. Um, and so I think that was the, I don't think it's the final of Ruffalo, but I think it's the, mm -hmm. we've taken this opportunity within She-Hulk to set Hulk on a different path now. Right. And my, my last statement about the show real fast and to close it out, there's, like I said, overall, the show was good to me. Yeah. The, there's one more throwaway line that bothered me so much was when that, Spaceship came down and they went off the road and everything happened. Okay, cool. That's fine. Moving on. And Bruce brings it up. He's like, yeah, that spaceship. Yeah, I got, you know what? Maybe I should check into that because, you know, that that, that might be a problem. It, and then it just like, we don't ever hear about it. Like, why was it there? <laughs> you know, that's a setup, man. That's a setup. That's yeah. a setup for yeah, something. But, for a whole but, but, if, but if it doesn't set it up, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I Marvel immediately chalked that up to set up. Uh, yep. I immediately chalked it up to set up. Yeah, that's the thread they're going to pull somewhere else. Yeah, uh, Marvel plays the long game. They play the long game. Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin I'm just foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah Kevin, true. I had missed one of his comments also. He said, but I understand Bruce's concern for innocent Boston is in didn't have it under control as she thought he was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed, Kevin. Um, I, I feel like the the what we saw uh, unfold was Bruce understanding the challenges he's had and the dangers he's created for other people. And we've seen the impact of that on Bruce's life, where Bruce will live in remote settings to make sure he's not hurting people. And he's believing that that's what Jen is going to struggle with. Right. And Jen's kind of like, what you doing? Now, as we know, as comic fans and kind of the MCU fans may not know this is the real problem is, and they touch on this in She-Hulk. I wish they had spent this. Um, I wish they had spent more time, less on the superhero thing and more on this point specifically, which is, you know, they say it, so they addressed it, but they could have spent more time there, which is the rage that Bruce has is not because of Bruce Banner uniquely. It's because mm -hmm. of the alter ego of the Hulk, which is a completely separate personality born out of Bruce's trauma, right? And so that rage, Bruce has someone actively to use those words, fighting to take the wheel from him, push him to the back, right? Where he has no sight and no control over anything that's happening, right? right. And Jen does not have that. So that, that boundless, endless rage that, he's, that Bruce is trying to suppress is not Bruce. It's 
the it's the manifestation of the whole personality Mm -hmm. right whereas jen is jen she doesn't have an enraged second personality fighting to get out of her at any minute and that's what has to come to fruition in this discussion and i think the series would i mean in this training section Mm. that they would have been better served focusing on that than just kind of the lighthearted training montage where they're cousins going at it you know um like what bruce comes to understand she's not fighting with an enraged second personality so Mm -hmm. she might not have the snaps that i've had Mm -hmm. you know and so maybe we need to let jen do jen because her hulk experience is going to be different than mine because it's manifesting differently than mine does um I would have liked to see that been the center of that discussion of that of that evolution in their dialogue versus kind of a cousin pithy banner, even though the competition did have me have me laughing. Um, <laughs> yes. I did enjoy the competition. Yes, especially the push off the cliff. That was yeah. yeah, that was yeah. funny. That was good. That, that was a dickhead move. I didn't know. <laughs> I, would, I would do this. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I th- go ahead, Sal. There's one more point I just want to make really mm-hmm. quick. And if you rewatch it and listen to her speech that she's rehearsing to give to the to the jury, and she's talking about people with the most power have to be have to be the most responsible. You know, it's almost like the reiteration of what Bruce says a little bit later, because mm-hmm. of you know being so powerful, you gotta be the most responsible to you know, to be the superhero. Honestly, I didn't like that line. Yeah. I didn't like that line for one reason. It's too close to with great power comes great responsibility. Well, they're yes. gonna, you know, they're gonna ride that. Come on, Dylan. Yeah. Come on, it's you know they're gonna close. ride that. I it was is. like, they skipped right off of that line. Uh, yeah. Come on, leave it in Spider Man. It was I like Mad Libs, like adjective here. Um. <laughs> yeah. But you know they're gonna try. They're gonna try to ride that. You know they are. Come on. Yeah, they did. If you're not gonna be a superhero and protect the planet, you've got you've got power now. If you're mm-hmm. gonna be a superhero and protect the planet with power comes responsibility <laughs> say no uh say uncle just, ben lives uncle yep. ben lives yep. okay well that's a, that's the only thing i wanted to point out well like i was gonna say i think that's a great stopping point for tonight mm-hmm. you know great conversation so thank you guys for the topics great pools tonight too i will yep. let sale take us out and tell us where you can find your youtube channel all right i have a youtube channel called sal's comic corner uh, please check it out. I talk about my slabs, opening, uh, doing some unboxing, some good stuff like that. Uh, coming soon, the slabfairy.com website. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. And I'll turn that over to, to Tone. That was me getting punched by the, the slab fairy. <laughs> Just so you could take your raw under from underneath the pillow. Be like, I'm yeah. taking this 9.8 all day. Yes. And slab, I crack your slab. Crack your slab. Um, so uh everyone, uh I've missed you all being here the past couple of weeks. I was really busy. Uh, mm-hmm. and so I'm back in the saddle now. Uh, thank you very much as always for tuning in and being part of the clan. Thank you for joining the family. Please uh share the stream, reach out to your family, friends, anyone you know that loves this pop culture cool stuff we do. Um, and, uh, and, and reach out to us and let us know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, what you want to see in content, uh, because we don't just make this content because it makes us feel good. It does, 
we make this content for you. And so if you have recommendations, feedback, thought, definitely drop it on us. And uh, I'll close out with, as always, uh, there's a lot going on in society. A lot of people struggling, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, remember, we love these heroes because in the face of adversity, they strive to be their better selves. Um, in the face of challenges, they put their best foot forward. And I aspire to be that. And I think most of us who love comics aspire to be that. Here at the Codex Station, we love comics and we love heroes. And you are a hero. And man, that should be on a shirt somewhere. Oh, wait, it is. Go to thecodexstation.com. Go find your merch from Codex. Go find all of our socials there as well. Like, follow, share, subscribe if you can. Um, you guys can also leave your recommendations in there in our contact us area so that way we know what you guys are liking and what you're not. So that way we can better tweak this for your viewing pleasure. Oh, that was a lot. Guys, thank you again for tuning in today. I just want to say we are coming back better and better every week. Thanks to all of you. Um, as, a, as always from me, you know, be kind to one another out there. You never know what anybody's going through. So even making someone smile can change the perspective of their day or even their life. And guys, as always, I will see you guys in the next one. Love you too, Kev. Chris, <laughs> love you, yeah, Kev. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Get in. Ah! God. Bye.